Part 1 of Interlopers by Thomas Hardy Do you feel you can meet your fate like a man, neighbour Darton? Ha <laughs> ha! Call him my fate. Hanging and waving go by destiny. Where are we headed? We are going to one of the Hintocks. King's Hintock, to a place called the Nap. It is where the people make the best cider wine in all Wessex, where the dunghills smell of pomace instead of stable refuse as elsewhere. Ah! <laughs> Why I have decided to marry her is not only that I like her, but that I can do no better. Even from a fairly practical point of view. That I might have looked higher is possibly true, though it is really all nonsense. I have experience enough of looking above me. I would be most pleased if you would consent to be my bride and wife. I cannot. But why can you not accept my offer? I cannot marry you. I just cannot. No more superior women for me, said I. You know when. Sally is a comely, independent, simple character, with no makeup about her, who'll think me as much as superior to her as I used to think that well, you know who was to me. Aye. However, I shouldn't call Sally Hall simple, primary, because no Sally is. Secondary, because if some could be, this one wouldn't. Tis a wrong denomination to apply to a woman, Charles, and affects me as your best man like cold water. Tis like recommending a stage play by saying there's neither murder, villainy, nor harm of any sort in it when that's what you've paid your money to see. Well, may your opinion do you good. Mine's a different one. I hope that Sally has received what I sent her by courier today. Oh, what, what did you send? It is a dress. Not exactly a wedding dress, though she may use it as one as she likes. It is rather serviceable than showy, suitable for the winter weather. Good. Serviceable is a wise word in a bridegroom. I commend thee, Charles. For why should a woman dress up like a rope dancer because she's going to do the most solemn deed of her life? Except for dying... Faith, why? But she will, because she will, I suppose. Hmm. Oh, this lane now forks into two. Which, which is our way? I am not sure. I have travelled this way, but not frequently. Ride on a way more, Japheth. Oh, here's a hand post. Ezra, come and climb this post and tell us the way. No, boy. Unstrap the basket so you'll smash up that wine. Was there ever less ahead in a brainless world? Here, simple Ezzy, I'll do it. Uh, oh, uh. I have faced tantalisation these twenty years with a temper as mild as milk, but such things as this don't come short of devilry. What's the matter? Well, not a single letter, sacred or heathen, not so much as a would tell us the way to the town of Smoky Hole. 
Ever should I sin to say it, either the moss and the mildew have eaten away the words, or we have arrived in a land where the natives have lost their art of writing. We should have brought our own compass like Christopher Columbus. Let us take the straight road. I shan't be sorry to get there. Tis a tiresome ride. I would have driven if I had known. The new gown he was going to send you stays about on the way. Like himself. Yes, mother. Not finished, I dare say. Lord, I shouldn't be amazed if it didn't come at all. Young men make such kind promises when they're near you and forget them when they go away. But he doesn't intend it as a wedding gown. He gives it to me merely as a gown to wear when I like. A travelling dress. Come wraith or come late. It don't matter much. As I have a dress of my own to fall back on. But what time is it? Oh, it's nearly eight o'clock. Eight o'clock and neither dress nor man. Mother, if you think to tantalise me by talking like that, then you're much mistaken. Let him be as late as he will or stay away altogether. I don't care. I'm not so sure about your not caring. But perhaps you don't care as much as I do after all, for I see what you don't. That he's a good and flourishing match for you. He has a large farm, they say worth 30,000 a year, a great many draught horses, milch cows, and of sheep, a multitude. And he ain't like his father what built the business, a one-eyed character with a buttoned-up pocket and a cheek like eye for the money. It is a very honourable offer in Mr. Darton, and I think I sees a kind husband in him. So... Pray God it will go smooth and wind up well. Of course it will go well. Oh, Mother, how you are up and down. At this moment, whatever hinders him, we are not so anxious to see him as he is to be here. And his thought runs on before him and settles on us like a star in the east. Oh, hark! I heard something. Oh, yes, here they are. Oh, it sounds like them at least. Well, not so very late after all, considering the distance. Oh, it's a tramp. Gracious me. Oh, my mother, it's Phil from Australia. Oh, oh Philip, are you ill? <sighs> <clears throat> no, no, mother. But for God's sake, how do you come here? And just now, too? Well, I am here. How it is, I hardly know. I've come here, mother, because I was driven to it. Things were against me there, and went from bad to worse. Then why didn't you let us know? You've not written a line for the last two or three years. No, I have not. I had hoped and thought I might fetch up again and be able to send good news. But I had to abandon that hope and have come here from sheer necessity, oh, previously to making a new start. <coughs> yes, things are very bad for me. Very bad. Oh, sit ye down by the fire. Did you choose to come this particular night for a reason? 
For no reason. My arrival tonight is quite at random. <coughs> but this room, the table laid, and, and you and your finery. What is going on? Sally is to be married in a day or two. Her intended, Mr. Darton, is coming here tonight with the groomsman, Mr. Johns. We thought it might be their step when we heard you. I see. I see. Why indeed should I have come tonight? <coughs> Such folk as I are not wanted at these times, naturally. And I have no business here spoiling other people's happiness. Phil, since you speak like that to me, I'll speak honestly to you. For these three years you have taken no thought for us. You left home with a, a good supply of money and strength and education and you ought to have made good use of it all. But you've come back like a beggar and that you come in a very awkward time for us cannot be denied. Your return tonight may do us much harm. But mind, you are welcome to this home as long as it is mine. I don't wish to turn you adrift. We will make the most of a bad job. <laughs> oh, and I hope you are not seriously ill. <laughs> oh, oh, no. <clears throat> I only have this infernal cough. I think you had better go to bed at once. Well, I shall be out of the way there. Having ruined myself, don't let me ruin you by being seen in these togs, for heaven's sake. Who do you say Sally is to be married to? A farmer Darn? Yes, a, a gentleman farmer. Quite a wealthy man. Far better in station than she could have expected. It is a good thing altogether. Well done, little Sal. I ought to have written. But perhaps I have thought of you all the more. But let me get out of sight. I would rather jump in the river than be seen here. But uh, have you anything to drink? I'm confoundedly thirsty with my long tramp. Yes, yes, we will bring something. Oh, yeah, that will do nicely. But Sally and Mother... Mother, I, I have not told you all. Sad as what you see of me is, there's worse behind. Let him come. I don't care. Philip, tell the worst and take your time. Well, then... I am not the only one in this mess. Would to heaven that I were, but... Oh, Phil. I have a wife, as destitute as I. A wife? Unhappily. A wife? Oh, yes, that is the way with sons. And besides... Besides? Oh, Philip, sure... I have two little children. Wife and children? Poor little things. I suppose these helpless beings are left in Australia? No, they are in England. Well, I can only hope you have left them in a respectable place. I have not left them at all. They are <coughs> here, within a few yards of us. In short, they are in the stable. Where? In the stable. I did not lie to bring them indoors till I had seen you, Mother, and, and broken the bad news a bit to you. They were very tired and are resting out there on some straw. Oh, no! Oh, my Lord! Married with two children. Here! <laughs> oh, oh. oh, well, 
it must be born. A starving son, a starving wife, starving children. Let it be. But why is this come to us now, today, tonight? Could no other misfortune happen to helpless women than this, which will quite upset my poor girl's chances of a happy life? Why have you done this, this wrong, Philip? What respectable man will come here and marry open-eyed with into a family of vagabonds? Nonsense, mother. Charlie isn't the man to desert me. But if he should be, and won't marry me because Phil's come, well, let him go and marry elsewhere. I won't be ashamed of my own flesh and blood for any man in England. No, I... <laughs> Wait till you are twenty years older and you will tell a different tale. Mother, as I have come, so will I go. All I ask of you is that you allow me and mine to lie in your stable tonight. I give you my word that we'll be gone by break of day and trouble you no further. Oh, no! Never shall it be said that I set any of my own from my door. Bring him in, Philip, or, or take me out to them. We will put him in the large bedroom, make up a large fire. Oh, let's go and help him in. What must we call your wife? Helena. <coughs> One minute before you go. I... I haven't confessed all. Oh, then heaven help us. We passed through Evershed as we came, and I just looked in at the cell and acorn to see if old Mike still kept there as usual. <coughs> a carrier had come in from Shirton Abbas at that moment, and guessing I was bound for this place, for I think he knew me, he asked me to bring on a dressmaker's parcel for Sally that was marked immediate. My wife had walked on with the children. T'was a flimsy parcel, and the paper was torn, and I found, on looking at it, that it was a thick, warm gown. I didn't wish for you to see poor Helena in such a shabby state. I was ashamed that you should. T'was not what she was born to. I untied the parcel in the road, took it on her where she was waiting in the lower barn, and told her I managed to get it for her, and that she was to ask no question. She, poor thing, must have supposed I obtained it on trust, through having reached a place where I was known, for she put it on gladly enough. She has it on now. Sally has other gowns, I dare say. Oh. <laughs> well, you have others, I dare say. I thought of myself better Sally cry than Eleanor freeze. Well, is the dress of great consequence? T'was nothing very ornamental as far as I could see. No, no, not of consequence. You will not mind if I lend her another instead, will you? <laughs> Oh, let us get him upstairs at once and, and fetch the unhappy new relations. My God, Helenor, is that you? Charles Darton! What are you doing here? How? And why? Oh, Charles, we've come from Australia and are in such dire circumstances. It's so awful that... Helena! Mr. Darton? Oh, Mr. Darton! Ah, this is a roundabout way of arriving, you will say, my dear Mrs. Hall. 
But we lost our way, which made us late. I saw a light here and led in my horse at once. My friend Johns and my man have gone onward to the little inn with theirs, not to crowd you too much. No sooner had I entered than I saw that this lady had taken temporary residence and found I was intruding. She is my daughter-in-law. My son, too, is in the house, but he is gone to bed and well. Why, who have we here, Arsel? Oh, come here, my little dears, come. And two children? My grandchildren. Mrs Hall, I am pleased to meet you, and you are Sally? Yes. Come, come. Oh, let us all go in and make your bed and some supper. Well, they are settled now. Mr Darton's best man, Japheth Johns, has arrived and supper is ready. Drink hardy, Mr Johns. Drink hardy. Such as it is, there is plenty of. But perhaps cider wine is not to your taste, though there's body in it. Quite the contrary, ma'am. Quite the contrary. For though I inherit the malt liquor principle from my father, I am a cider drinker on my mother's side. She came from these parts, you know. And there's this to be said for it. Tis a more peaceful liquor. And don't lie about a man like your hotter drinks. With care, one may live on it twelve months, knocking down a neighbour or getting a black eye from an old acquaintance. <laughs> what was happening in the stable just now? If the scene meant anything, it meant at least that my intended husband and sister-in-law have met before. It was clear that there had been no time for explanations. They still looked quietly amazed at each other's presence. Mr Darton stares continually on the gown Eleanor is wearing, as if it were an added riddle to his confusion. Though to me... This is one feature in the case that is no mystery. Whatever Eleanor might know of Mr Darton, she knows nothing of how the dress perplexes and embarrasses him. For him, he looks at her sometimes as if it were just about the clothes. But at other times, oh, there is more... There is something here which needs explanation. Well, I have spoken enough about the groom and his bride-to-be. I will now away tonight to the end to rest my head. I, I will join you in a few minutes. It is time that I took my leave. Good night. Good night. Good night. It is a sharp shower out there, Mr Darton. Come back to the fireside till it ceases. I will, ma'am, but it is getting late, and you are tired. Do not sit up on my account, for I can let myself out and would quite enjoy smoking a pipe by your hearth. Of course. Good night.
Huh? Huh? Helenor? I did not know you were here, Mr. Darton. I thought everyone had retired. I was coming to make a little water boil. My husband seems to be worse, but perhaps the kitchen fire can be lighted up again. Don't go on my account. By all means, put her on here as you intended. Allow me to help. No, thank you, sir. I can manage. Shall I call Sally? Oh no, we have given enough trouble already. We have no right here, but we are the sport of fate and we're obliged to come. No right here? None. I can't explain it now. This kettle is very slow. So, I am not to know anything of the mystery that has distracted me all the evening. How is it that a woman who refused me because, as I supposed, my position was not good enough for her taste, is found to be the wife of a man who seems to be worse off than I? He had the prior claim. What? You knew him at that time? Yes, yes, and he went to Australia and sent for me and I joined him out there. Ah, that was the mystery. Please say no more. Whatever my errors, I have paid for them during the last five years. I am sorry from my soul. No, please keep away. Well, you might have been my wife if you had chosen. But that's all past and gone. However, if you are in any trouble or poverty, I shall be glad to be of service, and as your relation, I shall have a right to be. Does your uncle know of your distress? My uncle is dead. He left me without a farthing, and now we have two children to maintain. What? Left you nothing? How could he be so cruel as that? I disgraced myself in his eyes. Now... Let me take care of the children, at least while you are so unsettled. You belong to another, so I cannot take care of you. Yes, you can. And you can, since you seem to wish to. Oh, she, she no longer belongs to another. My poor brother is dead. What? I have heard it. You can protect her now as well as the children. I heard something, and I went into his room. Oh, it must have been the moment you left. He went off so quickly and weakly, and it was so unexpected that I couldn't even leave to call you. Let us go upstairs. I am in a strange position. To meet Helena here again after all this time, and then Sally discovering us so angry now she is a widow. What am I to do? Should I leave, or stay to offer assistance? But for Sally's anger, I would certainly do the latter. What can I do in this trouble, Mrs. Hall? Oh, nothing. Thank you, nothing. We have called Rebecca and her husband. They will do everything necessary. I have spoken to Sally, and she believes the wedding should be postponed. Oh, yes, of course. I think now to go straight to the inn and tell John's. Will you tell the mother of his children that as they are now left fatherless, I shall be glad to take the eldest of them, if it would be any convenience to her and you. I promise I shall do so. Thank you. 
Farewell. I just spoke to Mr. Darton. He has readily assented to the postponement. No doubt he has. It's not put off for a week, or a month, or a year. I shall never marry him, and she will. In part one of Interlopers by Thomas Hardy, Farmer Charles Dalton was played by Ed Clark, Sally Hall by Lisa Nightingale, and Mrs. Hall by S.J. Vant. Mike Ravano was Japheth Johns, Emma Willets inhabited Helen Hall, and Richard Vince was a massively expectorant Philip Hall. All other parts were played by members of this cast. The piece was adapted and directed by Jim Newberry with all sound and effects produced by the masterful Robbie Burgess. Interlopers is a joint production from Uptick Productions and Chatting Tracks. <laughs>